Hey everybody, this is Ross from the Binge Picture Podcast here. We're going to be talking about movies in pretty deep detail each week, so spoiler alert. If you don't want the movie we're talking about spoiled for you, I'd go ahead and watch that and then come back to listen. Or don't. Do what you want, I guess. Welcome to the Binge Picture Podcast, the podcast where we're going to watch all 92 movies that have won Best Picture at the Oscars at random. I'm your co-host, Ross Bembenek, joined by my friends... Caleb Weed, Dylan Bateson. This is our first episode, so before we get going, I just want to ask you guys, how are you doing? How are we feeling about this recording? Fine. Like, it's barely just begun. I feel like we need to get something started before we even claim to do something else. Caleb? What you thinking? I I feel great about the recording. I am I'm stoked. I'm ready to go. I've been waiting a long Dude, time for this one. Me too. So so, as I said in the intro, we're going to be watching all 92 best picture winners um, at random. At the end of each episode, we're going to go ahead and we're going to spin um, what we call our wheel of watching and pick whatever pops up. Patent included. What was that, Dylan? Patent included. We've trademarked it. We've sold it to the military. It's ours now. Everyone can politely if not sold steal it. To the military, it. Why the hell would we? Si- I'm pretty sure it belongs to the military. Because we need that good money. That good money. Th- we got paid for. Yeah. This? Wait, Dylan. Did you get paid for this? Because I'm not getting paid for this. I have. I may have gone behind everyone's back. I may have done a bad for you, but a good for <laughs> me. That's your favorite thing to do. <laughs> so, that's a lie, and you know it. Yeah. That's I a fucking lie. I know it so, is. without further ado, Caleb Weed, would you like to introduce us so, to our first movie that we picked? You know, I would. Um, we all, you know, we're in different places in the world. We're kind of I'm in Brazil. social distanced. Dylan's in Brazil. But we all watched a movie together well not together at, at different on, times on different days in different locations just the same movie in the same rough time frame correct and that movie was mrs Woo. miniver um 1942 <laughs> he's trying to be uh, excited Woo. directed by william wyler um mgm studios <clears throat> uh and the pro- plot synopsis is as follows The uh, Miniverse, an English middle-class family, experienced life in the first months of World War II. While dodging bombs, the Miniverse son courts Lady Belden's granddaughter. A rose is named after Mrs. Miniver and entered in the competition against Lady Belden's rose. Is that the whole synopsis? Which, that is the whole synopsis as read on IMDb. What? Um, That is dog crap. Technically, that is correct. I mean, technically... All of those technically, things Technically, it's correct, but technically, it doesn't cover jack shit. I mean, that's like 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely not comprehensive, um, and I think it really misses the point of what this movie yeah. is. But if you want, um, this is a movie podcast. We can talk about it. No, nah, I didn't really think we were going to get into it. This is uh, a movie podcast? I thought we were talking about porn. Well, technically still movie. <laughs> Technically, technically, <laughs> just lower budget, not a lot of special effects, just a lot of action, so to say. <laughs> the climax goes. comes sooner than most people think. Short films. 
Short films. Very much short films. Right. Um, so, Caleb, you want to... All right. So, basically, um, movie starts when we've got Kay Miniver, um, who's played by Greer Garson. G- good actress. Uh, and her family, she's, she's fantastic. Um, so, Kay Miniver and her family are living in a little village outside London. They're upper middle class, I would say. Um, they have maids. And they like were bougie. They were bougie. So doing, they were very bougie. Yeah, they definitely were. They live the high life. They don't know poverty. They don't know stress. I'm sorry. When you have a rose contest for like the hand of the marriage of your like granddaughter daughter, nah, shut up. <laughs> um, so, they're, so they're doing pretty well. Her husband, uh, whose name is Clem, played by Walter Pigeon, who is also fantastic. Um, he's like an architect, and they have three children. Um, I know, Ross, you particularly loved the two younger child actors. So, Uh, I have zero opinion about the younger, the daughter, because she's not in the fucking movie after the first five minutes. Like, she's there, but after the first, what, 10, 15 minutes, she's not doing anything. She doesn't do anything. She's, they exist literally to make Mrs. Miniver a mom. Um, they don't really do anything besides that. Uh, but their eldest son is named Vin, who's played by Richard Ney, and he's a student at Oxford. Um, and then, of course, this takes place in 1939. Um, so there's a little man with a little mustache yelling a bunch of fucked up shit across the English Channel. Um, and there's a little bit of anxiety about it amongst the characters, but it still feels, it feels pretty, it feels distant, feels far away. Um... So it's not really affecting them. They're like aware of it, and they're like, "Huh, that guy's messed up." But well, uh, that Hitler, he's uh, uh, then comes. <laughs> he, yeah. He's a bit of a mess, but he's not our problem yet. I like how you're talking <laughs> like it's a speakeasy, and now we're going to smoke yes, cigars I, and drink brandy. Yes, I was definitely doing a Newsy accent for fucking Great Britain. Sure. Nineteen thirty-nine, bro. Um, you got to pick a voice. Stick though. with it. I appreciate it. I started. I wasn't <laughs> changing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but then Vin, their eldest son, comes home from college, meets Carol, to, who's Teresa Wright, is the actress's also name. Also very good in this movie. Um, and then the two, yeah, there's actually a great cast. Um, and the two of them quickly fall in love. But as they're falling in love, the characters are shocked to learn that Britain has officially entered what would become World War II, um, which they learn about whilst attending church. Um it's announced by the pastor, like attention, everyone, and everyone has to go home, and it's it's freaky, it's freaky times. Um, so Vin quickly joins the RAF, the Royal Air Force, and he's deployed to a base, uh, which actually is pretty close to his parents' house. So yeah, so he's he's still in, he's there. in the he's in the army, but he's still at home in mo- for most of the movie. Yeah, he'll just well, go out on like little. They didn't have any land offensives back in that part. So, right, it was all the, all the bomb dropping. So he would do like yeah. bomb raids during the day, and then he could be home for dinner. Um, so you know, meanwhile, life's going on on the home front, but bombing raids become sort of routine. Uh, and Clem Miniver fashions a bomb shelter for his family to sleep in at night. Um, and then Vin ends up proposing to they Carol during one of his visits home. It's a good. They get married. Everything's so good. This, this is a happy movie. Everything's good. <laughs> this importantly gives us. A second Mrs. Miniver. Um, we will never so, know which one took over the fortune. Right. It's the power. Who's the we title will never character? Know. The title character is the one on the poster. 
<laughs> I don't enough. see posters, yeah. I only see words. So, but around this time, Dunkirk happens, um, and there's a vignette that Christopher Nolan probably could have learned a thing or two from watching. Um, Christopher Nolan uh, could have learned a lot from Clem, this movie. Yeah, but the Dunkirk sequence yeah. was crazy. So Clem, Clem takes his little riverboat he owns down the River Thames um, and across the English Channel to help with the emergency evacuation of soldiers. Which, that was a uh, very good scene. I so, really did like that scene. That was, yeah. I, I, so I didn't know anything about this movie going into okay, it. Okay, same, and same. I was like, oh shit, it's Dunkirk. Yeah, it's I know too about old that. for me to give a crap about it. Anyway. Like, outside of <laughs> hey, a reason Hey to. man, good movies, old movies are good. Old movies are good. Eh? Age is but a number. Age is but a number, but sometimes you gotta realize that something old kind of just doesn't need to be watched anymore. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, did you like the Dunkirk scene at least? Like the Dunkirk scene was was cool. Like it captured more of what Dunkirk actually was than any movie has to the day. If it's not like a history documentary, no, I take it back. There was one movie that I can't remember that captured Dunkirk pretty well, but it did a second best job. So, yeah, it's pretty it was, interesting. It was really well done. There was like the special effects. I think it was mostly practical effects, obviously, um, for the time. Uh, I think it was 1942 but, like, when they were having... doing CGI. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> they, there's a they were mm, they were doing some, not this level, but they did like some matte. Yeah, they were doing matte paintings and yeah. early and green screen stuff, but they weren't doing. Yep. They weren't doing fucking Star Wars. There weren't computers yeah, there were, involved. Yeah. There was no computers. There were no computers involved. Yeah. There was a cutting room. Yeah. But like all the all the boats on the river and they encounter the battleship at the mouth of the river who like they have the guy on a loudspeaker who yells at them and tells them where to go and what to do. Yeah. And it's really it's really intense and scary and, and you know, it's in the dead of night, so everything's super dark and shadow. I just I really enjoyed that scene a lot. Yeah. I think that scene is more emotionally rich than all of Dun- like I love Dunkirk. I think Dunkirk is a great movie. This is the Nolan, Nolan Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Yes, I think that is a great movie. Um, it's one of Christopher Nolan's best, but I think that scene is better at drumming up emotion than. If there's one thing this movie does well, it is, it's it is very good at manipulating its audience's emotions. Absolutely. Um. um. So anyway, the, obviously when Clem goes off on for the Dunkirk expedition, um, he leaves Kay at home with the kids, uh, and Kay, Mrs. Miniver, is just stressed the fuck out, right? So she can't sleep, um, and one morning, while Clem was still away, she gets up super early. Well, she doesn't really get up. She can't go to sleep, but she, uh, she goes for a walk at, like, dawn, and she actually runs into a downed German Nazi pilot, who uh, had crashed his plane into the English countryside, um, and he holds her at gunpoint and forces her to take him home and give him food and drink. I think he he asked for milk. Yes, it was milk, <laughs> bread, and a coat. I think. Yes, yeah. and a coat. It was, it was cold. I out honestly there. forgot, like coat. I knew there was a third option. It's just I knew milk and bread, and I went. The man's hungry. He's thirsty. Anyone's bone degradation. Okay, but what pers- What My sane guy. person drinks milk when they're thirsty? Um, you know, yeah. sometimes you just Nazis. want milk. I, don't, I have nothing like, against Dan. milk, but it's not a thirst quencher. It sounds like you got answer. something against I milk. I have nothing one, against milk. Milk is fine. <laughs> you are a lying <laughs> mother. It's not. I hate it. 
It's it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I like dairy products. I do not like milk. Well, the ju- well, that's why they were Nazis, kids. They didn't really have a lot of logical parts going with them, but they just yeah. Uh, Nazis drink milk when they're thirsty. Is the takeaway? We we found the secret <laughs> hidden message of the of the plot, guys. It's called it's the moral of the story. It's called <laughs> uh, beware beware milk drinkers. Nazis and their milk obsession. <laughs> they may be Nazis. Um, oh God. Yeah, but so he he's obvi- he's pretty fucked up from crashing his plane into the English countryside. Um, so he's pretty delirious, and Kay craftily takes his gun from him. Slaps him across the face. And calls the police. Yeah, so he's the, the slap dude. He goes on like a crazy racist Nazi tirade about conquering the world and exterminating people. And well, I don't know if he explicitly says exterminating people, because I don't know he if he was He was very about clear about bombing cities and children. No, there was... We, yes, he wanted to bomb children. Well, if it went that way, like, it was just war at that point. It wasn't necessarily, like, the the grand plan that we knew it as after the war mm-hmm. that we heard about it. He was just talking about from a war perspective that, like, from, we're going to win, we're going to kick soldier. your ass, and we're going to make sure you don't even walk away to even have children or something like that. Yeah, the point know. is the filmmakers really, I mean, it's not hard to make a Nazi look evil, but... They, they did, did a, a very job. good job. They made him look like and a giant prick. That was one of the reshoots they did for this movie because they shot most of it in 1941 before the U.S. entered the war. Yeah. But then Pearl Harbor happens, and they're like, "Oh shit, we got to make this." A l-. It was already pro-Britain over in the war, obviously, because it's centered on a British family. Right. But they're like, "We need to make this a little more explicitly anti-Nazi." Yes, and they, they did that. Ver- they went back, reshot it, and it's explicitly very, anti-Nazi now. Very much an anti. Of course, it's really supposed curious. to be anti-Nazi. This is this is their version of propaganda. Yeah, this is a think, propaganda think, movie in its entirety. Well, totally. Um, but I, I think I think the initial cut, like before the reshoot, when after Pearl Harbor, um, it was more of like a gross fascination, like an innocent fascination with the other. Like, it was as if she'd never seen a German person before or something. She's like, oh, wow, these are the people they talk about on the news reels and stuff. Yeah, but it was... And then they switched it into, like, oh, this is a Nazi. He yeah, it was like, originally, I feel like it was no. probably more of a, hey, this is what the British people are going through. We should feel bad for what the British are going through right now. And then Pearl Harbor happens, and then it was like, oh, we got to go fuck these people up. We got to go fuck yes, up the Nazis. Yeah, well, to be definitely. fair, it wasn't... It was Japan who bombed Pearl Harbor, and even Hitler didn't have a say in that fact. They were just like, "Oh, we got to side with the people that will help us out." Yeah, it was, it was so, like yeah. Jap- one of the greatest strategic blunders in history. But on the behalf of the Japanese, what bombing Pearl Harbor? Well, yeah, yeah because well, we're off topic. We're off topic. Yeah. We're gonna talk we're, about that. We're, we're getting <laughs> into World War II history, and we don't. We can talk about how we can talk about how that we can talk about that when the Pearl Harbor movie comes in contention for why it should have won Best Picture. But besides, <laughs> you the mean point, the Michael Bay Pearl Harbor movie with Ben Affleck? Correct, sir. Correct, sir. But he uh, was Dylan the thing. And I, are fucking I digress. Fight that episode. I digress. I digress. We <laughs> are back in it. So. I feel like in that scene, it's mainly just trying to talk about how, like, hey, these guys are humans, too. But then, like, you know, Britain's being bombed. The Blitz is happening. It's probably a lot. So they're just like, you know what? Screw it. Propaganda the hell out of it. 
make it everything. Yeah, I mean, it, it clearly has yeah. propaganda film If you can't tell it's it. a propaganda film, like when it's playing, then you can tell the second the credits start rolling because the, the first thing you see before any credits is buy war bonds and support our boys. Yeah. Which yep. I get. <laughs> not, not knocking them. No. I get it. Bro, I, I want to buy war bonds. If we were fighting Nazi Germany, I would buy war bonds. Still don't know to this day. We pro- I had a big unit on it in high school. No idea what war bonds do. We'll get into it later, children. It's, it's money do for the military to buy now. guns and shit. I, I figured that was it, but I didn't know if there was a reimbursement or anything. So, besides the point, we have a Nazi who's an asshole. Such a weird concept nowadays. <laughs> <My God. laughs> Dude, well, okay, regardless of all of that... Um, the war had officially come mm. home. Like, there were Nazis it, literally in the Maneuver's backyard. Yeah, that was um, the whole point, because even... Have we talked about the Bunker scene yet? I forget. No, it's next. So this okay. is like, the, kind of a... This is a real turning point in the movie, the Dunkirk and then the, the Nazi, and things just kind of start unraveling It gets, from it gets there. darker and darker and darker as the movie goes. It gets darker and darker, but... So Clem and Vin come home safely from the war. Well, that that portion um, of the war, war's not over. Yeah, from we don't get to the end of the war. From from Dunkirk, yeah. essentially, it's implied that Vin was also involved in Dunkirk. Uh, but you know, bombs end up destroying an entire wing of their house. Um, the church gets bombed. Other landmark, like their whole village, just gets sort of decimated. And there's this sort scene of. where. <laughs> Yeah, there's this scene where the Minivers are, you know, cooped up in their bomb shelter yeah, all it's, night. It's it's not it's not um, Vin. It's Clem, Kay, and the daughter, and, and the, the kid, and the, the kids, two kids, yeah, the little the, kids, the little kids. Yeah, that scene was that was intense. that is for me at least the best scene in the movie. It was fantastic, but like again, the emotional manipulation, like they were going for you. <laughs> and it, it worked. Um, so, yeah, but they barely survived that, that bombing, um, and it destroys their whole village. Um, but still, you know, things are going on at home. Um, the village holds their annual flower competition. Before we go, um, and, before we get into that, Caleb, yeah. I think the bombing scene for me, I mean, it's the best scene in the movie because I think they did such a good job of filming in such a tight space that they made it yeah it feels you're super so claustrophobic watching that scene and to the point where it kind of makes yeah, you sweat yeah you get uncomfortable you're watching it and like um, the bombs are going off as it hits and every time one goes off like they're power flickers so yeah yeah sorry no, yeah. No, 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 it's great. I mean, it plunges you into darkness, and you're right there with them as they're, like, they're trying to stay strong for their kids, but they keep, like, looking at each other and locking eyes and being like, is this, yeah, is like, this it? Well, yeah, that was and the they entire... Came, they tried to capture that moment because all of London was going... Not all of England and mainly London, the countryside around it, were going through that because mm-hmm. that... And even in that scene, you have this idea where it's just, um... They are, um... One thing, um, one thing I wrote down in my notes is this is like making a movie about 9-11 on September 12th. Honestly, yeah. Like, if, this would have... Eh? 
this would have hit these people, like the contemporary people watching this, especially those from the UK, like a ton of bricks. Like, I think everyone watching this could have related to, Mm -hmm. you know, spending the night in a bomb shelter. I don't know if it would be September 12th, but like 2002, like... (laughs) Hyperbole, but yeah, yeah. A movie coming out in May of 2002 about 9-11. That's what this would be like. Exactly. I mean, these were events that happened less than two years yeah, prior to the movie coming out. It's just a classical retelling because the way everyone, the families looked at it is this, like, the prosperous England, the prosperous people, and then, like, the war brings them low, the b- war brings them uncertainty, and then it just goes from there. Because they were at war for a long time, like, mm-hmm. what, even before sick. that priest was just like, we are at war. I'm like, dude, you were at war way before you even spoke a word. Well, that, like... Yeah, things were in motion. Plans were in motion. That cannot they be blow through everything up until Dunkirk. Like, at one moment yeah, they, they declare they war, do. and the next moment it's Dunkirk. When that was like what two, three years between those points, something like that. I don't. I'm, well, it couldn't have been more than two because the end of '39 was when Britain actually joined the war, and this came out in '42. So. Oh, so I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. So it must have been like 19. It was. It was tight. Yeah. Like, yeah, Britain and. France these declared recent, war on Germany these in are recent memos. And then it was just slow was, from that point on. These are recent memories for everybody. So we have a little bit of a recency bias when we sit here and say, like, it's clearly propaganda and, like, you can see the emotional manipulation and stuff. But at the, um, I know you would say yeah. it's emotional ma- manipulation. I'm just saying well, it's a thing. Like, it's obvious. It doesn't, that sounds like a negative connotation, but it's not. I mean, it's just the art of filmmaking it's I mean, all, all film is emotional manipulation in some way um and right. in this case i'm so, not going to get mad at it because it's like hey nazis are bad mm-hmm. and i'm like you're right you're right yeah we we have you know 80 years between us and this but like people who had 18 months between the yeah. shit happening and the movie it, it like this it's is much more real for yeah it's no wonder People for us, it. it's yeah. for us, it's oh, it's a World War. It's a it's another World War Two movie. For them, yeah. it's daily life. Oh well, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. there's a flower competition going on, um, and I think this whole flower competition thing to me was just like, Wyler was trying to show you know, these are resilient people and they're going to keep doing their traditions mm-hmm. and they're going to cling to the things they love and their communities. And their families and stuff, and like that um, resilience is gonna get them through hell essentially. But this uh, flower competition, um, a rose named the Mrs. Miniver wins. It's named after K. Miniver Grigarson. Grown by um, um, uh, Henry Travers, also known as um, Yes. God damn it! I'm blanking on his name. The Guardian Angel from It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. There you go. I wanted to know if you would ever get there. I figured it out. I went, I've seen this guy. I've, and, then I cu- and then I did a Wikipedia I've race. talked to you about this guy before. I was like, hey, that guy was in It's a Wonderful Life. That's how I learned about it. Oh, I, I knew that know. when he I saw him in the movie. He looked, he looked vaguely familiar, but I never made the connection until you told me. Clarence. I mean, it's totally Clarence. Him. That was the angel's name. Fuck. I can't believe it took me that long to remember it. I watched that movie every goddamn year. <laughs> That's a fair um, statement. The Mrs. Miniver Rose wins, and, you know, there's a lot of controversy in, like, politics, inner village politics. Like, the the lady 
what's her name? Like Lady. Uh, I just view her as Mrs. Miniver's version of um, the Dowager Countess from Downton Abbey. Have you seen that? Do you? Yeah. Have you seen Downton Abbey? No. Uh, I haven't. Because I haven't I want, seen all of it. I wasted my time doing other, watching other crap. Other boring <laughs> crap about how much posh crap to watch. It's Ma- Maggie, so much crap to watch, but not about posh British people. Dame Maggie Smith's character, the the bougie rich lady. It was this. It was. I I can connect yep. the dots. Yeah, people will get that and they'll completely understand. If you've watched Miss, um, if you've watched Downton Abbey, you know what I'm talking about. So yeah, it's it's that person. It's the old white lady who lives in the manor, who's actually um, Carol's. And Carol Mom. is now um, at this point in the movie married to Vin, or are they just engaged at this point? No, no, no. I, I think, think it's been okay. It's been a hot sex since I actually yeah, watched it. It's definitely marriage. 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 Thank you. Thank you, children. <laughs> um, okay, so but during the celebrations, after the flower competition awards are handed out, air raid sirens go off. Everybody rushes. They got to get to shelter. You know. Their bombs coming. And wh- um, so Kay and Carol uh, ride together in their car back to the middle Why house. they didn't just go in the man? Because um, the festival was held at the rich lady's estate, right? It was held at the rich lady's estate. Yeah. So why uh, they didn't just go in yeah, there, I, was, well, yeah. I do not know. Big giant-ass building. You know, Big target. Swear, you tell me. You tell me why well, they didn't go for it. A ton of people yeah. went in there to take shelter. I sort of remember... It's been a, it's been a while at this point since I watched it, so I'd have to watch it again. But they, I remember them being like, "Oh, oh shit, we gotta go." Like someone was at home, or they forgot. The cat, to... the cat was at home. They had to save yeah, the that cat. Was the only oh, thing. That was a good cat. I like that cat. The poor cat. Yeah. You you knew the cat for a minute. Well, the boy loved yes. the cat. Ergo, the boy we did love, love the, the cat. cat, but you know, sacrifices and war. The felines <laughs> must do their part. I think I don't. I think the cat made it. I don't remember. But yeah, anyway, the they have to they're riding back to dramatic. the Miniver house. Um and they climb the car together and they're driving, but on the way they drive under um like a dog fight, like planes fighting yep. in the sky, and Carol Carol gets hit uh with machine gun fire from the planes while she's riding shotgun in Mrs. Miniver's car. And this was another scene I think that really stuck out I think to the three oh, of absolutely. us. Um we've talked about it before. I mean this was visually striking. Again, the um, the, the effects were. I think the the plane stuff was really well done, especially for 1942. I think. Well, yeah. yeah, they had this this shot of a plane like, dive bombing, crashing, die completely dive bombing, and then landing like on a hill while they're driving by it. Like it was it was again really really, really good miniature work, um, and I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It was. I mean, it was fantastic. Uh, but what's not fantastic is that Carol yeah, got shot. Uh, that's, this it's isn't just good. a flesh wound? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, she died, so. <laughs> it's just a and flesh wound. Yeah. So she she makes it home, but then dies mm-hmm. at home. Um, and Vin returns from battle, a survivor, only to learn that the one he left at died. home wasn't as lucky. Um, so it's tragic irony. Which I th- in that great subversion of expectations. There, I was. I spent the entire movie Absolutely. thinking Finn was going to die. Yeah, it got me. I feel like that's the point because he was. It is the well, point. It is the yeah. point. But it, it it worked. 
Well, yeah, because their, it's a... their objective uh, was successful. Yeah. Definitely. I was very shocked. Um, and then it all came together because, like, I know the there's, like, dual titular characters. One's on the poster, so do with that what you will. Which one's on the poster, it, by the way? I don't think it's, I've seen the poster. It's um, Greer Garson, so it, it, it's Kay Miniver. Okay. Well, that's that could be because it's Greer Garson. Like, she was... She was top dog, and back she then. was the uh, the film's She's... nominee for best actress and um, Teresa. Mm-hmm. But the other, yeah, the other Mrs. Miniver Carroll was a uh, best supporting actress. Yeah, she did win best supporting. Yeah. So this is where it all came together for me. I was like, oh, geez, well, which ones, Mrs. Miniver? Are they both Mrs. I mean, Miniver? Te- like, technically, it's both of them, but I think overall, I would say it would what be. What are you the... trying to say? the one that survived mm-hmm. she was the well but also I feel like it, it could be an died. argument that it's about both of them because I, it's definitely, it's definitely yeah them, definitely when she dies she has this um it's just like a transition it's like the transition from the second act to the third act or just like it's like the transition of this person is done it's time for the other Mrs. Miniver to take mm-hmm. the stage you know I felt I got that vibe well, well, I think this was this was sort of I think towards the end of the third yeah, act. Yeah, it was the very end of the movie. But it was this was yeah. This Wait, was there's like a the sequel. Big, to this, oh right? shit! <laughs> there is a sequel. Uh, but, but I have no that. idea what happens in the sequel. That. Um, I, I don't think they made this with the sequel in mind. I mean, I feel like um, most too of the bad. In, That's my logic now. <laughs> I'm using that. <laughs> sequel was a crash grab, uh, but this uh, I think I think really is it's kind of a nod to the fact that they were aware at the time that this conflict was going to rob an entire generation of their of their innocence and an entire generation of their youth yeah, and, and i think killing off the younger mrs miniver was sort of like a oh, like a yo. yeah it's like mm-hmm. like this is it, it was something an audience would identify with because everyone's lost um their friends who were way too their friends, young. Their friends, everyone's going to lose someone during this. No one's going to come out of this right. unscathed unless you're Every, rich right. where you can pay off yeah. people to be like... Everybody's us. getting... Right. Everybody is going to be affected by this and it's going to fuck over the young generation because they're the ones that are actually fighting in this. Yeah, what's and old, it's also just like... Wars are started by old men but finished by young men, young boys. I feel like that's the quote. That's... Uh, yeah, sense. yeah. But it, yeah, it's a, it's like saying, no one's safe from this. Like we're all sort of in it together. Kind of just fucked. Like yeah, like this is dangerous for everybody. Mm. Like shit can happen even if you think you're safe or if you think your loved ones are safe. You gotta be vigilant, mm. and everyone's got to do their part. You know, to reduce the risk on us all, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but then the film ends. Um, back in the church where they learned that Britain was going Which to war. Which has now been shelled um, to absolute hell. It's, uh, it's yep, torn to pieces. It, it's in ruins, but they're all sitting in the pews, and the pews I are like how it's like less completely full. fucked up, but the <laughs> the pews are fine. Like, the sitting the yeah. sitting situation was not affected like, whatsoever. We may not have a Our roof, roof walls are pretty but much we are gone, at full capacity. <laughs> I don't think it was really full. I think you could notice there were people like, missing. There were definitely people missing in that crowd. Empty. And it was like everyone was grieving together. 
Um, I have I wrote down part of what the pastor comes out and says at the end, um, and it's totally the call to action we were just talking oh, yeah. about. Mm. Just yeah, go for it. it. Do it. Uh, it's a big long speech, but he says, "This is not only a war of soldiers in uniform; it is the war of the people of all the people, and it must be fought not only on the battlefield, but in the cities and in the villages, in the factories and on the farms, in the home and in the heart of every man, woman, and child who loves freedom." So yeah, and yeah. that's the point. Yeah, sounds about right. For right yeah, they give you the whole yep. spiel right there in the last two minutes. Mm-hmm. And he wraps up his little speech, and then, like, the choir starts singing, and everyone sings together. And you can see off in the distance, there's um, a bunch of RAF mm-hmm. yeah. planes mm-hmm. and, like, a V formation flying off and, to war. And, then, and it's the bookend endings were is legendary yep. as far as bookend and endings then the, go. And uh, by war bonds pops up on the screen, and then the credits start rolling. Yep. Support so that's your the movie. So that is indeed the movie. So, gentlemen, yeah. I want to ask: rate it out of ten. What do you think? Starting with Kalib. <clears throat> um, I my my rating has steadily gone up the more I think about it and the longer I'm I sit. Glad I'm it. not the only one. I thought um, the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm at I'm at a six point five out of ten. Um, it was technically really well done it was fun to watch great to look at um and it, it fulfills its purpose it does what it's supposed to do from a historical standpoint it's very good it's a it's a really important film in a lot of ways um but i just you know it's good i wouldn't say it's fantastic 6.5 out of 10 all right well i think i was originally at a 6.5 so i'm gonna bump mine up to a seven since you bumped yours up. I agree with everything Caleb said. Um, I really, really enjoy. I think well, well Greer Garson was awesome. Great performance yeah. from Greer Garson. Um, and I, yeah, I just it was good. It was a good movie. I think all of the performances were above Except for that average. Fucking like, well, child actor! Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the child actors. No, not even, not no even the child to, actors, no plural. Ha, no just the fucking one. Just Toby. Just the, the Toby. boy. No one knows how to write Toby. for kids. That was his name. Uh, yeah. Poor old Toby. Yeah. You know what? Fuck it. I'm back down to a 6.5 because of Toby. <laughs> 6.5 for me. That .5 that just lost just says fuck Toby. Yes. Like right next As to it. As that .5 fades away, it dusts away like Thanos snapped it away and the dust spells fuck Toby. God damn. <laughs> God damn. Yes, still. Four. It's a four. Still a four. You're still a little... A I know. four. Well. Yeah, it's a four. Dylan's out here raining on our parade. Yes, sir, I am, because I can realize when something in my modern taste, it works for the back of times, it works for the time they're trying to convince. But in my personal opinion, no. I just, there's, it's it's a fine movie. It's a bit, just, I don't know, I'm spoiled with my modern day kind of just like acting and all that, but. It was very, it was very 40s. It was very 40s. Yeah. Was it? Very 40s. So. Was it like sort of the '40s acting and aesthetic and everything, or was it just like it was just kind of just like it was too 
Chip just, ooh, I hit my mic. That That's going to hurt. Um, um, <laughs> I, it's too much of just like the old, same old, same old of just like, hey, kids, you like Great Britain, right? It's too much propaganda for me, and it's just a little too it's, much. Um, it's super sentimental, and yeah. But I think, I mean, obviously that's the way, it, excuse me, that's the way it's supposed yeah, to like, be. Yeah, like I'm not going to fault um, it for so. being sentimental and propaganda-ish when it's literally fighting the Nazis. I'm not going to fault it for that. Well, yeah, that's different. I'm I'm just going to fault it for being a movie. For being a main plot. <laughs> you heard it here first, everybody. Dylan <laughs> hates movies. <laughs> you know this is a... I'm being held against you know my will is, by, right? a, by a stupid contract by these guys, so I have to say things, but you know. I read the contract. <laughs> I don't. Um, okay. Well, so what does that make our best, our binge picture uh, podcast? I the, it's uh, a 5.6. Wait, 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 Caleb, you said seven? No, we both, Caleb no, and I both I'm said, 6.5. Caleb said 6.5. I originally said seven and then docked it down to a 6.5 because fuck Toby. Um, so it's a 17. So yeah, it's somewhere about like 5.6. I've literally done the math, yeah. Dylan. It's 5.6. No, 5. I just did the math. Out of ten for our first film, Mrs. Miniver. Cat, I gave you a chance to get out of here and you didn't take it, so now you have to chill. Dude, I've been fighting with my cats this entire time. My cat's been quite great. We're going to hear this back and there's going to be, like, claw noises. See, mine was napping under the bed and has just decided she wants attention. Aww. Yeah. Hey what other Ooh. movies were so 1942 uh, um, for this year? Like I said, not a big year for movies because there were bigger problems in 1942. <laughs> not really. <laughs> I mean, the arts were uh, were extremely underfunded at this time, so that makes sense. But continue. Um, so before I get into the year, Miniver, um, obviously, Best Picture at the 15th Academy Awards. Um, in addition to Best Picture, it came home with Best Director for William Wyler, Best Actress for Greer Garson, um, Best Screenplay, Best Supporting Actress for Teresa Wright, and Best um, Black and White Cinematography. So six wins in total, and then let me pull my list up real quick. Cool. Yes. Pretty good. Also, it had nominations in Best Actor for Walter Pidgeon, Best Supporting Actor for Henry Travers, a second Best Supporting Actress nomination for Mae Whitty, who played the old lady. Um, ah, okay. And then nominations in Best Sound, Film Editing, and Special Effects. So, 11 nominations total. So, it was the It movie of the year. Absolutely, the It um, movie. It also topped the box office for 1942. So, like, it wasn't just, it, it wasn't just critics that liked it. It's not like fucking, um, I don't know. Well, now I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, I was like, it's not just like, who? Who, Ross? I, I had Ooh. an example in my... Get off the fucking table, cat. <laughs> Love your cat. Oh, that's a cat flying through yep. the air. Um, but yeah, like, audiences loved it. Critics loved it. So it makes sense that this movie in particular won. Um, out of the... Uh, so there was, what, fucking nine other movies got nominated for Best Picture this year? Um, Yankee Doodle Dandy, The Magnificent Ambersons, The 49th Parallel, King's Row, The Pied Piper, Pride of the Yankees, Wake Island, Random Harvest, and Talk of the Town were our other nominees. So is that every other movie that was made that year? 
I mean, this was well, yes. Bambi, Bambi came out that year, and Bambi didn't get nominated, so it's not every other movie. That's because uh, Disney didn't have its foothold. Disney is the cause for everything evil in and, this world. Um, also, uh, just a little interesting tidbit about 1942. Casablanca technically is a 1942 release, but it was in consideration right. for the next year's Oscars. It... That was a that was cat noise. That's Sorry. cool. I'm That's I'm cool. dealing with a cat right care. now too. Um, so I my, I just have a quick question for you guys. Casablanca was not in consideration for the 15th Oscars. If it was, who wins, Mrs. Miniver or Casablanca? Miniver. Wow, I'd say I mean Casablanca is a better movie. Like I think Casablanca is a, a much movie, better movie. It's a better That's movie, true. but think of the time. It's a much better movie, but think of the time. Yeah, exactly. That's that what you got to think of. Like. I didn't. I didn't think of that. I'm thinking watching it now. Do you think contemporarily, Casablanca would have stood a chance? I mean, film noir was popular for a lot of the same reasons as Mrs. Miniver would have been popular. Just like, well, no, I take that back. Film noir was more escapism, film, right? Film noir was much is a much grittier, and Casablanca is not even really a film noir. It's more of a romance kind of a thing. Romance noir. Yeah. A noir. There are certainly noir-ish aspects to Casablanca, but I don't know if I would... It's not like fucking... It's not the Maltese Falcon. It's not like the Maltese Falcon or Double Indemnity. It's not like those. It's got noir-ish aspects, but I would not consider it. It's a diet noir. Yeah, it's kind of... Yeah. Not even that. It's... The point being... It's just super different. Yeah. I wonder what a contemporary audience would have thought. I mean... Obviously, the next year they gave it to Casablanca. Yeah, so, so they we'll, get, we'll get to our, to our in-depth Casablanca there's some, at some point. There's some fuckery about where they're like, we like this movie, but we don't want to go up against this movie, so it goes here. Yeah, is there a reason that they uh, they kicked it well, to the next because year? Because the only release Casablanca had in 1942 was the premiere. It premiered in 19... It had its, like, full, like, regular... like full premiere in 1942 and then it's actual release so people could like everybody could see it in 1943 so I think that's why they mm. push it back but officially it's release is considered 1942 okay I mean they made it work yeah, they made it work <laughs> um, I'm really glad that they that makes I'm sense, really I glad guess. they did push it back because Casablanca is fucking great and I'd love to watch it again at some point and now at yeah, I'm just happy. Yeah, it's on our list, list for one of the next 91 movies we're gonna watch on this fucking show. 91 to go. Um, well, and before we get to the wheel of watching, do you guys think Mrs. Miniver should have won? I don't know anything about around that time, so I'm gonna yeah, say I yes say, as a safe bet. I can say I'm, I'm not surprised it won. I haven't seen a great deal of the other nominees or or any. Um, Except for Grapes of Wrath. Who was in here? Oh. You heard here first. Caleb says Grapes of Wrath should have won. No, whoa. No. I, 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 <laughs> Hold on. I say Mrs. Miniver is. Uh, uh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah I think I mean, it should have I've seen one other Best Picture nominee from that year, and Miniver was better than it, so I'm not upset. I, I think just like notoriety now, today, and just if you. If you read it in the or watch it in the historical context, it's a good it's a good movie. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to fault them for giving it to this during World War II. 
the uh, AFI says this is number 40 on the most inspiring American films of all time. Yeah, fucking sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. All right. I'm not surprised it won. I think it probably should have. All right, so yeah. Dylan. We're doing the wheel of yeah, watching? Yeah, fucking spin that wheel, dude. Spin that wheel. What number did you get? 88. Oh, we're getting a late one. Oh, shit. That's a new one. Or relatively Ooh. recent. And that is Spotlight. We have. It is Spotlight. Fuck, 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 fuck. Okay. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. I think Ross is happy or he has to. Okay. Poop. Spotlight's fine. Fucking sure. I'll watch it. But this gives me an excuse to watch Mad Max. Oh, I'm so fucking excited. Ooh, yes. That was Mad Max. Mad Max. You used to watch Mad Max. You just watch Mad Max. Mad Max. Well, now he has a now I have a reason to watch, to watch it, it, and it's not just me throwing on Fury Road. No, you don't. The reason is you just watch the thing. Okay, well, I hope you're ready for me to talk about Fury Road a whole fucking lot next episode. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, guys. That's it. Well, we'll watch Spotlight this week. We'll talk to y'all yeah, next week. Um, and before we go, quick shout out to my brother Eric for letting us use some of his music as our theme song. Oh, we love yeah. it. Thanks, Thanks Eric. Eric. Um, Groovy. We have a Letterboxd page set up, so if you want to follow us and see what movies we're watching on that, go ahead and follow us at Binge Picture Pod on Letterboxd. Um, if, Do it. And we have an email set up. If you like the show or hate it, I don't care. Just let us know. Email us at um, Binge Picture. We just. What did you say, Caleb? Sorry. That was an important thing you were saying. Please oh, keep going. Uh, so send us an email at Binge at bingepicturepod at gmail.com um, and I'll have so I'll have other socials set up for episode two so no Twitter yet right on. we'll get there I was gonna say it's we're just we're happy if anyone listens we don't give a shit if you yeah, like yeah. You, can, you can hate <laughs> listen to this I don't care we will not improve Dude, we will stay just perfectly let us know you yeah, if us. we have four listeners and three of them hated hated it it's still a success because four people listen to us talk for an hour <laughs> there's no such thing as bad press <laughs> yeah I know they made it to the end to hear about our email address, so yes. things are good. So, are you guys gonna watch the sequel? No, to, oh, absolutely no. not. Hell no! I got better things um, to waste my time on. Like I said, I gotta watch Mad Max now. And on that bombshell, I'm gonna watch Mad Max <laughs> now. So, dude, I'm gonna watch it too. I better watch the other. You better watch Spotlight. I'm gonna watch Spotlight. Pointless. I'm just more excited to watch Mad Max. Liar and a scoundrel. <laughs> You're a liar and a scoundrel, Ross. Yep. It's a 2015 double feature. That's our show. All right. Bye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.